Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What have I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you could be prepared for your tomorrow. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. You know, uh, someone wrote me an email recently and said, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, but uh, I don't want to come down to the front because I'm shy. And so I told myself I was shy too. But my thing is I was shy but desperate. And somehow desperation wins out over shyness. Oh yeah. Desperation wins out. Joshua chapter 1. Today I want to just pick up and and I've been talking to you about faith and meditation. And I want to do today or, or finish what we started. Look with me at verse 6. Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. God is speaking to Joshua. Moses has died according to the word of the Lord, and now Joshua has been given the assignment to lead Israel in. Joshua has been walking with Moses for 40 years, but there are certain things that Moses knew that Joshua was not privy to. God taught Moses how to be a wise leader, a general, so to speak, a head of state, and Joshua was simply one of his cabinet members, and here he is now getting ready to take his shot at being a leader, and God has given him some insight. Verse 6 says, be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Now notice the language that God uses. God said, I swore to their fathers. Why would God swear to a man? Why would God give a man an oath? In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, by these two, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews, by these two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Immutable means not possible to change. Two immutable things, a promise first and then an oath. When God gives a promise, he doesn't have to later swear by oath, but he did it anyway. You know why? Because the Bible says in the earth, men call an oath the end of all strife. We can't fuss anymore once there's an oath taken. You breach that oath, you're in contempt of court. You breach that oath and your name is mud. And God gave the promise and the promise should have been enough because God can't lie. But he said to back it up and to show you, I mean, not just to do business in heaven, but to do business in earth. He said, I give you my word that my promise will come to pass. And so now God told Joshua, Moses is dead. He said, but because I swore an oath unto your fathers, I want you to be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. I want you to manage your fear that thou mayst observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's be seated. I want to spend time today going into meditation, into the mechanics of it, and specifically, I've been talking to you about the four steps or the four, the four uh, ingredients in the process of meditation. It's important because you, you will never grow in the Lord if you don't know how to meditate His Word. There's several things I could say to you, but I want to begin by saying that meditation is not a psychological exper- or, or exercise, it's a spiritual experience. In the, in the Eastern nations, they practice meditation only because the ancients did it, and most of the ancients worshipped Jehovah God. 
they learned how to do this, this, this magnificent and very effective process. They learned it from the ancients. Whom, whom the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, uh, uh, verse 3 I think says, they obtained a good report. The elders obtained a good report from God. These were the men meditating the word of God. Meditation is a way by which God has given the word of God access uh, to your heart or to your belief system. He says to us, it's through meditation that the word gets into you to such a degree where it changes your heart from failure to success, from weakness to strength, from fear to courage. So you have got to learn. You say, Pastor, I don't want to go through that. Listen, you have no choice. This is one of the things that we do. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible reads, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Um, one translation says, faith comes from hearing the message. Or another translation says, before faith comes, you have to listen. Before faith comes, you have to listen. Well, well the process begins, I go to the word of God, faith begins where the will of God is known. But the second step is, I've got to get that word that I, that I just learned from the Lord, in my spirit. Okay? So I'm going to talk, I'm going to get at least phase one today of, 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 of the first ingredient of meditation, which is verbalization, or to verbalize the word of God. Everybody say to verbalize the word of God. All right. Now, um, meditation, we said, um, I, in, in meditation, I initiate uh, this process whereby I paint the end result of the promise of God on the canvas of my imagination. It's a very straightforward definition, but we covered a lot of this last week, and I don't think you need a review. Do you? How many of you need a review? Need a review? How many of you out there? How many of you can see me? How many of you can hear me? How many of you need a review? Okay. <laughs> Y'all, you, look, sidebar. Don't just ignore me. I'm, I'm, asking, <laughs> I'm asking you a question. How many of you need a review? Okay, good. Just a, just a quick review. All right, meditation seems to be psychological because it utilizes the mind, it affects the will, and it can alter your emotions. Through meditation, you can change what you want to do, you can change how you think, and you also can change how you feel through meditation. But it can only do this because we said it is a spiritual exercise. God used this principle over and over again through Scripture. And if you stop and pause long enough, as you read, you'll see it being used when God wants to change people's lives, have them to comply with his agenda, and to give them, get them, have them to get a grasp on the things he was saying to them. So you, in, the, in the Bible, you see uh, Abraham meditating. You saw Isaac going out in the field to meditate. You saw David meditating. Mary, the mother of, of, of Jesus, meditated. Peter is up on the roof. He's meditating. All through the scripture, the apostle Paul meditated. He told Timothy to meditate. Meditation is a spiritual discipline that you've got to learn to do. Now, What's, what's critical about this is that what God wants to do, he wants to paint the end result of what he's promising on your heart. He wants, he wants you to see it before you experience it. The, the truth is, if you can't visualize it, it will never happen. If you can't verbalize it, if you can't speak it out, more than likely it won't come to pass. You got it? Um, the, your first experience with victory is when you internalize the word of God. That's your first contact with victory. If you do not internalize, you, it'll never happen. You come into the moment and you will freeze. You got it? Now, um, go in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, just by way of review. The key thing to remember is that in biblical meditation, God uses his word and images that we can relate to in the natural to elevate our thinking to another level. 
Remember I told you what God does is that he realizes that there are many things in scripture you can't relate to. And so you see artists giving renditions of an angel that's a little baby with a bare bottom floating in the cloud. Where did they get that from? And then you see, you see artists who, who render an angel as a female. How many of you know in all of scripture, there's not one time that the angel is called her? And there's a, I found one time in scripture where, where the angel is not referred to in the masculine gender, but in a neutral gender. You got it? So what God is trying to do, God is trying to say to us, there's several things in his word that we have no, no point of reference to. Here's the thing now. He says, about, about, I'm going to use about angels since we're on that. He says, be careful to entertain strangers. Now, here's what he's telling you. He said, I'm not, I, can't, I can't describe to you what angels look like because you have no point of reference in the earth. He said, if I try, matter of fact, when Ezekiel, you remember the, the story about Ezekiel in, in, in the wheel? When Ezekiel was, so, he was so, seeing these angels and he was describing them as beasts, John described them as beasts in Revelation. And the reason they did it was because there's no reference for them in the earth. You got it? So now he says, be careful to entertain strangers, for in doing so, some have entertained angels unawares. He said, what I'll do is when I send an angel to you, I'll make him look like a man. Because if I sent him as what he really looks like, he will freak you out. You will think that there was a UFO landed and there was, there was something going on. So when it comes to things now, now, angels are not a big deal for us because we don't fellowship with angels every day per se. But what about the things that you need to fulfill the destiny that God has for you? How is God going to get you to understand those things if, you've no, if, if in your whole family line no one has ever succeeded before? How will you know what success looks like? Moses' brother Aaron was a priest. His sister Miriam was a prophet. You got it? So success was in their family. Leadership was in their family. But Joshua, as far as I know, it was a sin. And now God has to teach me how to succeed. And God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do for you. I don't want you to look at the pattern of Moses' success. But the same words I gave Moses, I need to get them in your spirit. I need you meditating on those words because Moses was only successful, listen to this, because of the word that he meditated. There were things I said to him, and the things that you saw Moses doing, it wasn't really him doing it, it was the words in his heart doing it. it listen, I'm going to show you today that if, you were to, if we were to gain a greater respect for the word of God, you'd be surprised at the things you'd be able to do. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Paul speaks to Timothy in verse 14. He says, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. The presbytery is the board of elders. He said, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly or completely to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. So what we say now by way of review is whatever I meditate on will eventually appear to all. There's no way for you to meditate on anything without magnifying it. Whatever you meditate upon, you're going to magnify it. You've been given four magnifiers. You've been given whatever, whatever you see on a continual basis, whatever you say on a continual basis, whatever you hear on a continual basis, and whatever you think about, meditate upon on a continual basis, will be magnified in your eyes. So what the enemy does is, for example, um, someone is here today, you say, Pastor, you know, um, I'm trying to get away from my past. I keep saying I'm moving forward, but I'm tied to the thing. And here's why you're tied to it. Because the horror of it. The fact that you could do such a thing, it, it, just, it just blindsided you. It, just, it, keep, it stays in your mind. And you can't play it down 
because you keep building it up. Because the more you revisit and think about it, the bigger it's going to get. That's the rule of meditation. And so you go to a class that you've never, uh, never known before, a subject you've never studied before, and the teacher gives you homework and pop quiz and tells you to study. You know, you know what they're doing? They're trying to get you to magnify the information so that watch this, so it can attach to you. They're trying to get you to the place where you don't have to think of the answer. The answer becomes a part of you. The French call it furring or learning, L-E-R-N-E-N. In English, we call it learning. Meditation is cultivation. It is it's cultivating the soul of your heart so that, so that whatever's planted there will grow. It, it, is, it is cultivation for confrontation. When I, when, when I meditate the word of God, I'm, I'm, I'm cultivating my heart, knowing that one day I'm going to confront something, watch this now, that speaks against the word of God. I'm going to confront something or something's going to confront me that's telling me a different thing from what God said. So when I hear the word, and here's the, here's the tragedy. You cannot believe how many times you have come to church and sat where you're sitting and heard the answer to your problem and left here glad about the answer and by the end of the day you're in the same trouble again because you forgot your answer. Here's a question. What do you do when after getting the answer to your question, the question still remains? Answer, exactly what you're doing now. Circling the same mountain. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Art Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Why, yeah. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you can hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God, Pastor Hart Ramsey. To receive this daily encouragement, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Again, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Stay connected with Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hart Ramsey. 
Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Right now. So God's going to help us to get there. Everybody say, God's going to help me. God's going to help me. All right. Now, uh, there's this word in, um, in 1 Timothy 4.15 in the Greek is the word uh, melateo, and it means to ponder. So meditation is pondering. It's imagining. I use my imagination to do this. And it means to study something in advance. Listen to, the, listen to this definition. I'm going to give you several definitions because different people learn different ways. I'm going to give you probably about 10 different definitions of meditation that all means the same thing just to help you. In this word, melateo, is a thought of forcing your mind in a certain direction so that it can receive clarity, insight, and wisdom. In meditation, I force my mind to think a certain way. I force it to think about certain things. I will interrupt my mind in the middle of a thought and say, no, you can't think about that. You're in a wrong relationship and you're trying to break it off. Every time the person comes to your mind, you, the Lord says he wants you to stop that thought, cut it off and say, you can't think about that person. It doesn't, thinking about that person does not qualify under the good things I should be thinking about. I don't want to magnify this person in my life anymore. So I, leave, I force my mind to think on the Lord and think on the word of the Lord and think of what God promises me if I get out of this mess. Meditation means to force my mind in the right direction. I said it's cultivation for preparation. It, imp- it improves the ground for planting. It loosens the soil of your heart. It, it mixes in fertilizer or, or some kind of or plant material and provides rows or organiz- organization in your thinking so that your harvest could be organized. You should see the looks on your faces. Okay? So in meditation, what I'm doing is, I I never let my mind just run wild. I harness the power of my thinking, and I said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I make up my mind, this is what I'm going to do, and here's why I'm going to do it. You give yourself the reason, and you make yourself, you stain it. I I got a phone call from a pastor. He's probably watching me by streaming faith by now. Um, He's up in, uh, I think, Carolina or New Jersey. He he has two churches, and he he left me a message on my phone, and he says, Pastor, I want to ask you a question. He said, how long do you study? How much time does it take you to come up with this stuff? He said, I need to know. He said, every time I watch your stream of faith, I'm blown away. He said, I'm taking notes, thinking to myself, how is God saying this thing, these things to him, not to me? And I started laughing. So I told my wife, I said, you know, Pastor so-and-so wants to know how much time I spend studying. And she says to me, and she said, you know what? I watch you now. She says, you don't spend all the time you used to studying before. She said, but it seems like you're getting better. Was that a compliment? So, so, so what I said to her is this. The difference between me then and now is that back then I was digging the soil. I was putting in the fertilizer. I was fighting against some, what the Bible calls fallow ground, ground that has never, had never been planted on before. Now what's happening is the rows already formed. And so all I have to do is go down the rows. Watch this now. If I have to... When when it's time to plant, I go harvest the seed. When I put it in the barn, I just take the seed that's there and go back to plant. The way way it works is I can can study, for example, I can read a daily devotional, get in the word of God, and then God begins to speak to me. And here's a funny thing. God spoke to me for five minutes on Wednesday during my time of wisdom, and I came out with a full message and a whole series. How many of you were here Wednesday night for the message? God spoke in five minutes. He spoke to me. He spoke five minutes, and it was not consistently. I was, I was, it was a space of five minutes. He said this, and then he said that. 
The rest was me praying. How does that happen? Through meditation. It's through meditation. Now watch this now. What meditation did for me, it heightened my, my observance, uh, my, my skill of observance. For example, I would go into pray, and I'd, I'd start to notice when I came out of prayer, my time of wisdom, that these thoughts would come to me that I'd never thought about. I would go in and pray about something, and I'd come out, and my whole train of thought would be a whole nother, and I'd start to take note of that. Whatever, whatever I think about when I come out of my time of wisdom, I need to document it. And a lot of the stuff that we're doing now comes out of my time of wisdom. When I go into my time of wisdom, come out, somewhere along, maybe within an hour, God's going to say something significant to me. What happened, Pastor? Through meditation, God is growing me up. Now, there's certain areas of my life that are not as strong. How many of you don't mind your pastor telling you? No, no, no. There are areas of my life, let me tell you this right now, there are areas of my life that they're close for renovation. No, I'm, I'll be transparent with you, but in certain areas of my I mean, I can't tell you nothing. It's still under construction. Oh, look at you. You, you, still, you look, boy, let's talk about you. <laughs> Something I can't believe. Well, I can't believe that about you either. God's still working on me, all right? But it's, it's through meditation he's doing this thing. Now, I'm going to spend about maybe 30 minutes a day helping us to get to the place where we can understand what God wants from us. Go in your Bibles to Psalm 77, verse 6. How many, how many of you know that you are tripartite in your being? How many of you know what tripartite means? How many of you don't know what tripartite means? Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> listen, listen to the word. Tri, which, three, which is three. Part, which means part. And tight, which means uh, I'm tripartite. I'm, I'm, I'm three parts made. Um, three parts made. Everybody say, I'm three parts made. Say it again, I'm three parts made. Pastor, what does that mean? Here's what it means. That when God created you, he created you a living spirit. You have a soul, but the vehicle to be in the earth is your body. If you don't think your body is important, let it die. When your body dies, you got to leave. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live where? <clears throat> in a body. Now, so uh, remember now, you're not a body. And that's what happens to people. You say, oh, boy, he's so fine. Yeah, he's fine, but that's just his house. That's just his house. And if you follow the rule, you look, go back and let Hollywood teach you. Monsters live in mansions. Come say, my she's a brick house. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, she's a brick house, all right. That is not doctrine, that is just opinion. I have to say that. <clears throat> this, this, I'm going to give you a doctrine. If he looked good, he got to be told. That, no, that's not true. Pastor didn't say that. Psalm 77, verse 6. <clears throat> Are you there? Let's read together. Ready? Read. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit. My spirit made what? Diligent search. Now, that is meditation. I, 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 say I commune with my own heart. I, I, started, I start internalizing things. I start talking to myself. And he said, and as I do this concerning the things that God has said and done, he said, my spirit is making a what? A diligent. Come on, say, I'm making a what? Here's what we miss, and I want you to remember this. When I preach to you the word, it does not become your answer until your spirit makes diligent search of it. 
when the man proposes to the woman and he gives her the box, the intent is not for her to go around showing off the box. He figures that the woman that he has set his love upon is smart enough to open the box and discover the prize or the valuable that's inside. When I give you the word of God, what I'm giving you is the word of God. But until it becomes the word of God to you, can't help you. He says, I commune um, uh, with my own heart and my spirit starts searching this thing out. Oh, this is too deep for Sunday morning, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to help you. We're going to help you get some answers now. All right. So I want you to go down with me now. I want to, I want to take you to the first one. We've, we've talked about these in general before. But the, but the first ingredient of biblical meditation, which is verbalization. Everybody say verbalization. If, if, for those of you who are taking notes and you weren't here, the, the four are verbalization, visualization, internalization, and repetition. These are the four ingredients of, of biblical meditation. I want to spend our time today dealing with, with this uh, of verbalizing the word of God because you have to understand that when, when I tell you to speak the word of God, I'm not just telling you something that I think is good. How many of you spend time in the military? Put your hand up. Spend time in the military. Okay. How many of you um, or spent time in any organized, like the federal government or some kind of government work, or we'll put your hand up, maybe not the military, but some other type. Okay, good. Did you notice that when you went into work in these agencies or in the military, they had their own language? They didn't care about where you came from. They didn't, listen, and different people from different parts of the world came, and they didn't care. Everyone had to learn the same things. Okay? When you came to church, you know, you came, well, I'm an individual. Yeah, you are. But you are part of a collective and in the collective, there's a certain language that the head of the collective chooses for us to use. There's certain things that we do. One of the things that you have got to learn, because it's critical, is you've got to speak the word of God out of your mouth. Everybody say, my mouth. You've got to speak the word of God. You've got to speak the word of God. And here's why. Because if you don't speak the word of God, then there's no way that God can bring it to pass in your life. I'm going to show you a mountain of scriptural evidence. Go in your Bible to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Have you ever said something? Now, how many of you weren't saved all your life? Put your hand up, won't save all your life. Okay. Oh, well, I'm about to get you. We're going to have some fun with this. Won't save all your life. Now, when, before I got saved, I was what they call a vulgarian. I didn't say Vulcan. I said vulgarian. Which means I was highly developed in cussing. I'm not boasting in this because the Bible says there was no fruit of righteousness in this in Romans chapter 6. So there's nothing really to be, I'm, I'm really ashamed of this, but it's a, it's a good example to use. I could cuss you and shut you down. People were amazed at my verbal gymnastic of cussing. I strung words together that didn't go together, but, it, but they worked. I've had people in the middle of an argument stop and bust out laughing and say, man, that was good. You know when, they, when they're awarding tens and nines to your cussing, you're you a cusser. So when I came to church, I readily identified with Peter because of, they say he was a cussing fisherman. He was, that was my guy. But if you met a person that couldn't cuss, and when they said it, it just sounds stupid. You know, I remember when I, I'm, I, I can't tell you this, I met a person one time, and, and they cussed, and I, st I stopped and said, no, no, don't ever say it again. You didn't say that right. It shouldn't be said like that. I knew I was a professional vulgarian. No, 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 no. If you're going to say it, say it like this. 
the reason that this person didn't sound proper doing it was because they didn't do it all the time. So I say, then, you don't cuss all the time, do you? I said, no, I said, don't do it. <laughs> well, I came to church, and I started pastoring after many years, and I would hear people speaking the word of God, and I could tell. They don't speak it all the time. It didn't sound right coming out of their mouth. Now watch this, Proverbs 22, verse 17. It says, bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. Proverbs 22, verse 17. You there? And apply thine heart unto knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if thou wilt keep them within thee. He says, now I want you to keep these words in you. It's a, it's a pleasant thing. He says, watch this now. They shall with all be what? This shall be what? Fitted in thy lips. They shall be with all what? Fitted in thy lips that thy trust may be in the Lord. I've made known to thee this day, even to thee. Here's what, here's what Solomon, or, or the writer of Proverbs was saying. He said, I'm going to show you how to up your trust in the Lord. He said, get, get his words. And begin to meditate on the word that, he's, that the Lord has given to you. He said, and do it to the point where, watch this now, the word will be fitted in your lips. When you speak the word, it will sound like you should be saying that. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Hart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website at nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. You can follow Pastor Hart on social media at Hart Ramsey on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow our church on Twitter at NCC Family, on Instagram at Northview Christian Church, and on Facebook by searching for Northview Christian Church. Be sure to join us next time as we dive into God's Word and get on course with Hart Ramsey.